Father, I thank you for Alison. I thank you for the words that you give her. I thank you, Lord God, that when her words and her voice couples with your voice, God, that it transforms lives and it transforms communities. And God, right now, I just ask that your, your presence would come down upon Alison. Lord God, your anointing would flow through Alison, Lord. And that the words that she brings will bring life to us this morning. Amen. 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 Thank you. As a child, growing up in church, I was taught to fear people rather than to love them. I was taught that people were out there, were quite dangerous, quite polluting, that um, they could change my ideas. So wasn't really allowed to go to cinema or listen to pop culture, music. Wasn't allowed to lead fashion magazines because out there was dangerous. It was them and us. It was a divide separating us. So we went to Christian conferences, went to Christian camps. Um, and I was a bit confused as to why I was different from people out there. My parents were brethren, class brethren. And I was really confused about mission as well. Did we really need to go out and catch fish? one at a time, and pull these fish out of the water, bash them on the head, put them in a basket, and make them like me. Was that really what we were after? Very confused. Um, And also I struggled to connect with people, because I was from a white middle-class background. How do I connect with people who are lost and lonely? How do I really reach out to these people? I didn't really know how to do it. And in the pain of my childhood and the pain of my youth... I started building up a wall to protect myself, which disconnected me even more because I couldn't connect with other people's pain because I wasn't being real about my own pain. But then God revealed to me a new way, a whole different way of being and living, thank goodness, called the way of compassion. And this way is so powerful and so transformative that it changes whole communities and whole nations. The way of compassion is a way of living like Jesus. The way of compassion is a way of changing everything. And the compassion is power. It's not some soft, gooey feeling. It's power of compassion turns pure love into action. So before we look at the way of compassion, we're going to look at the source of compassion. Where does compassion come from? And for that, we're going to look at Jesus and we're going to look at his father the source of compassion. Now, compassion literally means with, com, passion, suffering and pain. It's not the most happy word in the world. Sitting with somebody in their pain. And I want to show someone who did that. If you want to turn with me to Philippians 2 verse 6. This is all about Jesus, the source of compassion. It says, Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used for his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. God, who was the highest of everything, the king of all kings, The the greatest above everything had the furthest to travel to come and be with us in our pain. And yet this is the distance he chose to travel. 
I think going to Scotland's a long way to see Anna, our daughter. But coming from heaven and the glory of God to come down and become human flesh is a massive difference, a massive distance. He didn't think there should be any them and us. He didn't think there should be the angels up in heaven and us humans down on earth. He didn't think there should be a barrier between spiritual and earthly. So he went over the distance and came down and sat with us in our pain. That is the biggest example of compassion that I can think of. The biggest difference, distance. The power of compassion turning pure love into action. Emmanuel, God with us. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory. The glory of the one and only son who came from the father full of grace. He came from the father, down to earth, made flesh. But this passage in John 1 says we've seen his glory. Now to me, being born in a stable, being born homeless... Being born in a really um, rejected situation where your mum's a pregnant, unmarried woman, then becoming a refugee and having to flee from Egypt doesn't look very glorious to me. I'm sorry, but it doesn't. Why does this verse say we've seen his glory? We've seen God in the flesh. What is glorious about this? Because compassion is glorious. Sitting and coming with people in their pain, in flesh, is the most glorious thing you could ever do. We have a funny, topsy-turvy way of glory. We think glory is sitting on a throne. We think glory is power and cars and houses and becoming rich and famous. Well, Jesus could have had all that. But he showed his glory by coming down and sitting with us in our pain. That's how, that's the highest form of glory that you can get. We've seen his glory. Um, So Jesus showed his compassion. What about God the Father? Where is his compassion? This God of anger, this um, this God of judgment. Where is his compassion? But he is actually the source of all compassion. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Compassion to the core, the source of all compassion. Now, the passage that I love, I want to show you, is 1 Kings 19. If you'd like to turn there with me. Um, Let me get my reading glasses on. 1 Kings 19, starting at verse 11. Now, at this point, Elijah in in the story, he's having a really hard time. He's um, been against hundreds and hundreds of false prophets. He's called down fire from heaven. It's burnt the altar. He feels alone. He feels isolated. He feels rejected. He feels quite depressed. He's in a really, really low point at this point, at this state in life. And God comes and says, I want to reveal myself to you. This is how God reveals himself to Elijah. Verse 11. The Lord said, Go outside and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord. For the Lord is about to pass by. Now that's exciting. What would you expect? The heaven is going to open and the power of God is going to come down. The glory of God is going to pass before Elijah. What would you expect to see? Chariots, fire, angels, trumpets. This is what happens. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. 
after the wind there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mountain of the cave. Then a voice came to him and said, What are you doing here, Elijah? God came down from heaven, sat with Elijah in his pain and said, What are you doing? Just talk to me, Elijah. Explain to me what you're feeling. What are you going through? I want to know what's in your heart. The glory of God is... God sitting down with a man in pain and listening to him, not trying to fix him, not trying to make him feel, not trying to judging him, not trying to make him feel shame, but saying, what is on your heart, Elijah? What are you going through? God is the source of all compassion. This is the power of compassion, turning pure love into action. So now we've seen the source of compassion. Let's look at the way of compassion. Because compassion isn't comfortable. It's not about us. It's countercultural. Because everywhere I look, I see things that are about me. I see my iPhone. Not that I've got everything that's an eye. I'm not an Apple fan, by the way. iPad. I look at television, it says, because you're worth it, I'm worth it. Um, I see the gym, says your gym. My voice. It's all about me, isn't it? But compassion is about the pain of other people. It's about other, other people. And kindness is great. I love kindness. But from my experience, kindness can have mixed motivations. So kindness can be because I want to be popular. I can be kind to be nice. I can be kind to be liked. I can be kind that I can appear to be really good. Or I can be nice and invite you around for tea because I expect you to invite me back. That's being kind, isn't it? But you cannot be compassionate without a pure motive because... He loses everything. He loses his house. He loses his crops. He loses his farm. He loses his family. He loses everything. And he sat down in a state of the... I think that must be one of the deepest pits of pain. And his his health is gone as well. He's lost everything. He's in such a deep pit of pain. And yet he gets three people who come and come for him. And at one point he turns to them and he says, Now you two have proved to be of no help. You see something dreadful and you're afraid. I think that's one of the biggest reasons we turn around and walk the other way because we're afraid. When I see the homeless man on the street, when I see people in pain, when I see things on the telly, I walk the, a different way sometimes, I'll be honest. Because I'm afraid to connect with that person. I'm afraid of what it means to me to feel that other person's pain. To realize where they're coming from. To know what it is, the hurt that they're feeling. It's not an easy thing. It's not an easy walk to walk. Compassion consists of three main requirements. Recognizing that somebody's pain is real. And serious. Having the understanding that that person's pain is not self-induced, hasn't been because of their fault. And the third one is the ability to picture yourself with that person, without judgment, without shame, without blame. That's compassion to the core. So what does compassion, when 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 you see it, what does it look like? Because it is beautiful. Although it's painful, it's one of the most beautiful things you can see. I was trying to think, what does it look like? I was thinking of Mother Teresa. 
I was thinking of Heidi Baker, Nelson Mandela, Desmond Tutu, Oscar Schindler, or Mary Seacole. People of deep compassion. They haven't gone out to be famous, but because of the way they've looked at other people, other people have stood back and said, wow, this is something beautiful. This is something powerful. This is the power of compassion turning pure love into action. I think about Judith. Looking at those people in Africa, those women, girls have been raped, going out and helping them. That's the power of compassion, turning pure love into action. So if that's the way of compassion, I want to show you how it transforms. It's one of the most powerful things because it transforms hearts and transforms communities. We see Jesus in the Bible transforming communities, transforming people's hearts. Why did he do it? Because he was compelled by compassion. Over and over again in the Bible, we find that the word, he was compelled by compassion. He was compelled by compassion. Compassion moved him. He felt compassion. And again and again, he does different acts. It's not all the same. It's not like he goes out and after their spirits and he's not notching up saved spirits, saved, um, transformed people. He's genuinely moved. So when I was um, young, I thought you had to go out. A mission was about catching people's spirits and notching them up and saying, I've saved this one and I've saved that one. And they've prayed the prayer and they've done this and, and I've got them into the kingdom. But Jesus shows true compassion for their whole life and transformation for their whole life. Let's have a look at this. Because he, in compassion, when the people were that shepherd, he taught them. When someone was sick, when the whole town was sick and they brought the sick to them, he healed them. When they were hungry on the mat, he fed them. When they were disturbed and they didn't know which way to go, he didn't judge them. He just shared his heart and told them the truth. Different ways of showing compassion, but very real. He talks about the Good Samaritan and prodigal son and how compassion is real and, and forgives people and brings people back. And while I was looking at the word compassion, I found the word made whole. Jesus kept making people whole out of compassion. It's the word sozo. It actually means saved. So when it says Jesus will call his name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins, it actually means sozo. The actual word for saved is sozo. The word sozo is a Greek word. It's used 110 times in the New Testament. But for so many different things. I thought when you saved somebody, it was saving them from hell and judgment. When you went out and saved somebody, you were rescuing them from the pit of hell. But that's not what sozo means. Sozo means, yes, that you save people's hearts and spirits from into, into heaven. That, that's one part of it. But it's massive. Sozo means when Jesus sozos people... He saves those people that are lost. Now, we're lost in so many different ways, aren't we, in life? We're lost in so many... It doesn't just mean spirit. Jesus saved people. He made them whole, all who came to him. There's a verse in the Bible that says... And I used to read that, oh, he healed them physically. But it doesn't say that. It says made whole. Some of those would have mental health problems. Some of those would have broken hearts. Some of those who'd been going through all sorts of issues. And some of them would have had need physical healing. He made them whole completely. It says he sozoed people who needed healing of their sight. He sozoed an adulterer who was just about to be stoned, who'd been shamed, who was in rejection from society. He rescued her out of that situation. He sozoed her. 
He raised the girl from the dead. Sozo's her made a hole. There's a lady who touched the hem of his garment, stopped her bleeding. He sozo's her. He took upon himself, says in Isaiah, pain, sickness, rejection, failure, everything was a result of the fall. Mental health issues, poverty, war, um, abuse, all those things. And Jesus wants to sozo all of that, make everything whole. So this affects us because we're not just to go we're not just going after people's spirits we're going after people's whole hearts and their whole lives and all of them there's no point in just saving part of somebody the whole person needs to be saved it says in hebrews 7 verse 25 he is also able to save to the uttermost save to the uttermost every single bit of your life god wants to save every bit of your neighbor's life God wants to save their marriage, their relationship with their children, their, their work ethics, the, the fact they're feeling they've got to strive. Perhaps they've got no furniture. Perhaps they've got no food. Perhaps they're living on the streets. He wants to save all of that. Save to the uttermost. Compassion is power and turns pure love into action. So when you go out, when you go out to uh, the Philippines and... Um, just a couple of stories of different ways that it transforms. Went out to the Philippines and um, the guy there leading the church, Eden, he had a um, gallstone. I think it's a gallstone. Um, and he'd had therapy on it. He'd had medicine on it, cheaper medicine. And it had grown to such a size that he couldn't naturally get it out of his body. It had to be lasered out. Now, in the Philippines, you have to pay for that kind of thing, and he didn't have the money. So we'd gone over, we'd given the church a gift, and he came up to me. And just the way he approached me filled my heart with compassion. He was ashamed. He was sorrowful. He said, please, can I use some of the money that you've given to the church to go and get treatment to get this stone out? I said, of course you can. But it's one of the times I felt such compassion for him. I thought, I'm going to pray for this. This isn't okay. Prayed for him. And the week after, he went back to the hospital to get the work done. And he said, well, he said, have you had a lot of pain when you've been weeing? He said, absolutely nothing. I've not felt anything. So he says, there's no way that you could. No, I've not felt. You, it's gone. It's completely disappeared. Now, it's not the miracle itself that's powerful. It's the compassion that's changed that person's life. It's the compassion that's changed Eden's life so that he can carry on doing what he needs to do for God without that pain. That's where the power is. That's where the glory is, not in the miracle itself. And the same with them. Um, we've got another lady who's here. Um, she's a user of the building. Um, I'll call her Sally. After both her two children, she'd had to go into mental care because um, she got such bad postnatal depression, she wasn't safe. And she was in there for quite a long time, had to go in and out. She's come to be cared and belong here. And we've given her things for her, her physical health to try and help stimulate her mental health. We've given her care. We've enabled her to get some counselling. She's just had her third child. And everything's been fine. 
everything's been fine. So the glory hasn't been that she's suddenly been miraculously changed. The glory is that she's been saved from something that could have happened. It's a different way of saving. That's amazing. Um, The third one, and I still miss him, I'd like to talk about Alan, our friend Alan, who came through the door, who naturally speaking was quite a challenge for me because of the way he looked, because of the way he smelt. I naturally thought, what, how am I going to do with this situation? Because again, it's one of these, I don't want to sit with your pain. I don't want to know because it's too painful for me and it's uncomfortable. But after a while um, sitting with him, he found that he was dirty because he had no way of washing his clothes. He had no way of looking. He'd cared for both his sets of parents who both died from cancer, been the only child. He was left alone, isolated, with no way of looking after himself. So in his house, a team who had compassion, power of compassion turned into action. Compassion can never stay without action. If it doesn't produce action, it's not compassion. Went into his house, gutted it, cleaned it, found him a clean flat. He was completely sozo because his life was changed, his house was changed. He then had found a stronger faith. It wasn't just sitting down and telling them God loved him. That wasn't what it was about. God isn't about that. God's about us getting in someone's pain, sitting down with them saying, what do you need? What is it that I can help you with? That is compassion. Um, So let me uh, look at, oh, one more thing. The birthplace of compassion creates community. I've just got two quotes from people I've um, already mentioned. Nelson Mandela said, our human compassion binds one to the other, not in pity or patronizingly, but as human beings who have learned how to turn our common suffering into hope for the future. If it's them and us, and you stand from a distance and sympathize, that's pity. That's no use to anybody. That's patronizing. If you sit down with somebody and listen to them and give them empathy, that's compassion. And that creates community. Because everybody's together. There's no them and us. It's us. We all belong. This is Desmond Tutu. God's dream is that you and I and all of us will realize that we are family. That we are made for togetherness, for goodness, and for compassion. I love Desmond Tutu. The fact that he makes me think of a man with a tutu, that's besides the point. (laughs) Every time I think of his name, it makes me giggle. So how do you walk in the path of compassion? I want to give you some very practical things. And then we're talking about compassion and you going away and think, well, I know I do have to do that. I've got five very clear points that can give you a start on this road to compassion. We want to turn your compassion, power of compassion. We want to turn your pure love into action. So the first one says in Colossians, as dearly chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself with compassion. So I'm going to tell you how to clothe yourself. The first one, get to know Jesus really well. Read your Bible, pray to him. You can't imbibe relationship. You have to sit down with Jesus and talk to him and read his Bible. When you know Jesus, you'll know something. Because God and Jesus are the source of compassion, you can't do it on your own. You need to know who he is, 
what it looks like, and you need to know his heart. Get to know him really well. Number two, this one's harder. Allow yourself to feel. Give yourself permission to feel. We come, we come with our baggage and our pain, and it brings the shutters up, and we hide. Allowing yourself to feel is really difficult. If you keep your brain engaged, you can come into a situation and you can argue. So you can criticise, you can say logically, that's not my problem, um, doesn't, it doesn't affect me. You say why, um, you can argue all sorts of things, but until you engage compassion, you're not going to do any action. So it's like William, William, William Wilberforce. <laughs> he was a guy who was a slave trade. And at the beginning, he found, he knew all the verses in the Bible. They were banned around the Victorian days, weren't they? Why being, having slaves was okay with God's word. In his head, he could argue it. It's nothing to do with me. It's in the Bible. Slaves obey your master, blah, blah, blah. But at one point, he engaged his heart. And he sat down. And he transformed that whole culture. He sat down and he transformed the whole thing and, re- and brought a law to release slaves. And he said, to be feeling alive to the sufferings of my fellow creatures is to be a fanatic. I am one of the most incurable fanatics ever permitted to be at large. He wanted to feel the pain. And that's what caused the change. Um, so re-engage, re-engage your hearts. Now we're going to do another session of emotional healthy spirituality. That's really helpful to engage in your emotions. Keeping them healthy, keeping them real. Um, and growing your own self-compassion as well is in part of that. Be compassionate to other people, but be compassionate to yourself. Yeah. Don't be so harsh, don't be so judgmental. Don't point the finger at yourself and put yourself in shame. Number three, compassion fatigue. When I watch so much on TV that's violent or tragic or sad, I can't engage my heart completely because I would be in pieces. So you've either got a choice. You either turn it off or turn your heart off. You've got to do one or the other thing or you will overload. Now, you need to be aware of this because if you turn your heart off in a situation to the screen or to the telly, you walk out, your heart doesn't suddenly open again. You walk around having numbed yourself against pain, people's pain and people's situation. Um, so just be aware of that, that, you, that you're wise in what you watch, what you listen to and how your heart is responding. If Don't let your heart get so fatigued with compassion, you switch it off. Um, number two is listen well. Sit down with someone. And just listen to... Oh, four. Four. Listen down with someone and just listen to them. Don't judge them. Don't fix them. Don't talk to them. Just listen. Where is it at with you? What's happening with you? How can I help you? And don't ever sit down and say, how can I help you, if you don't really mean it. That's not compassionate. Building up somebody's hope. How can I help you? What is it you're going through? How can I share in your pain? Listen to somebody. And the fifth one, which uh, completely transformed my life. Oh, I haven't shown the video. Yeah, I'll show you the end. The fifth one is pray for the gift of compassion. If we say the source of compassion is from God and Father, and he has got 
all compassion. And we, we, are, we love up to so far, don't we? But on, honestly, there are people that irritate you, people that you can't get into their heads, people you have no idea what they're talking about. You have no way of understanding them. We have a limit. God has no limit. So somehow we have to tap into his no limit in order to give us no limit. How do we do this? We ask for him to touch our hearts in such an inspiring way, in such an incredible way that switches all our compassion on and makes it almost, so I don't think we'll ever be perfect, almost unending. So that whatever situation we're in, we have time for somebody. That's another thing is make time. Don't go to the playground in a rush. Don't go to your work last minute. Go there a bit early and sit and say, I want to talk to five minutes to somebody before I start my work today. I want to show compassion. Make time. But sit before God. Now, this is so not an easy thing to do is asking God for compassion because it will change your life. You cannot do it glibly. Because if you stand there, because compassion is so self-sacrificial, it will change who you are, how you live, what you count as important, and it will cost you. It's Jesus' way. Jesus' way was self-sacrificial. So if you stand before the presence of God and say, I want to transform communities. I want to transform the lives of people around me. Give me this power of compassion that changes pure love into action. He will do it, but it will cost you. And you will have to think about the cost and measure that up. Um, I'm going to ask Charlene. I wasn't, I've got five minutes. Charlene, do you want to come and tell us your story about when you did that? Oh, okay. Have we got a mic she can use? <laughs> I haven't prepared anything, I didn't know. Um, yeah, I asked for compassion. I had some, I cared for people. I always, even from being a little child, my mum and dad weren't the most loving, caring, still aren't people. But I knew there was something in me that did care for people more than what I could see for myself happening in my own house. But there are certain types of people that I couldn't, I couldn't get into their heads, I couldn't understand. And if I'm being honest, at times I didn't really want to. It disgusted me to look at drunk people or people who'd got themselves into a mess out of their own choices. That actually disgusted me, they got me really angry and I didn't want anything to do with them. That's me being honest. But I knew that wasn't the way of Jesus. So when I came to the point of actually, do you know what, I don't want to be like that. I want to be able to love them as you love them because they're just people with really horrible issues. So I still remember I was sat on my windowsill in the room. Gavin was across from me and I said, I'm sick of this, Gavin. I'm sick of looking at you and at people like this in this way I don't want to. So I just asked for God's compassion. And the cost is like what Alison said it is. Sometimes you lot and, and other people will look at me and think she's stupid. Like she's, she's got four kids. She's always running around. She's always doing this. But actually I'm not stupid. I'm not crazy. I'm not all of these things. That, and, nope, and people have even said it to me. Not just thought it. Oh, she don't make any time for herself. She don't, I do. I counted up the cost. And actually it's really important. I will stay up till three o'clock in the morning and, and do the Christmas day work or whatever because I know it makes a massive difference. God's given me that compassion. I will sometimes actually leave my own four children on the back burner 
they're not the most important centre of the world thing all of the time. I will say to them, actually, do you know what? Can you guys, just for five minutes, think about this person who's in front of us right now? Is you needing this, this, this and this as important as what they need, really need right now? And actually, they've, they're coming to a realisation that, well, actually... This is really important. This person is really, really important and what they need right now. So, yeah, God gives you if, you, if you want it, yeah, the cost is high, but I'm telling you now, you'll see the smile on my face quite a lot. It's good. <laughs> Thanks, Thank Shelley. I think sometimes it's important to take a reality check when we know in the world, there's, in our country, there's one in four in poverty. How many of those do you know? How many of those people you know are actually fainting because they haven't got any food for their children or haven't got any curtains in the house? People who are drunk or on drugs, people who are in a destitute city, people who are refugees, these are all around us. I, need, I sometimes check my eyes and say, how many people of these people do I actually know? How many have I spent time with? How many am I just protecting my little house, my own little things? Yeah. I'm going to show you um, a video now found it really helpful. We show it on EHS. It's a difference between sympathy and empathy. Empathy stems from compassion. Sympathy stems from them and us. So let's have a watch. <laughs> 